Welcome to the Circular Economy Show podcast by the Ellen McCarr Foundation. I'm your host, Seb, and welcome to the start of another mini-series on this podcast, where we'll be diving into how one of the world's largest cities is making the circular economy a priority. Across the next four episodes, we'll explore how London has positioned itself as something of a pioneer in the circular economy, finding out about the city's policies and the impact of these on sectors like the built environment and food. We'll find out how the circular economy plays a critical role in the city's ambitions to tackle climate change and create better lives for its citizens. Along the way, we'll speak to policymakers at various levels and many of the people who are making this transition happen. So what does a circular economy look like in a city like London? And how does policy connect with real action on the ground? In this first episode, we visit the borough of Hackney to find out why and how the circular economy is being made a priority and we visit an example of community innovation in action. I started by speaking to Philip Glanville, the mayor of Hackney. Yeah, my name's Philip Glanville. I'm the elected mayor of Hackney and I'm also chair of the Transport and Environment Committee at London Councils, which leads on our climate change work. I think we've, we've been really committed to circular economy for a number of years. We've never sort of let up on the uh, impact it can have on climate change, but also reducing consumption. And while we have a really good track record of improving recycling, I think when we're looking at the contribution that consumption can make to climate change, reducing the waste that we produce and having a different type of economy where we reuse materials, we uh, share the type of things that we're seeing behind me in the Library of Things, uh, helps us uh, to achieve reductions in waste. Uh, and not see those uh, materials go into uh, the waste stream in the first place. I think there's also huge potential to work with our communities, businesses and civic society in new ways, developing new business models, thinking about how the economy in a borough like Hackney can change as we move into the future. Uh, we've also know that cities can do a huge amount around climate change in reducing their energy, how their buildings are constructed, how we move around our city. But actually, if we don't look at consumption-based emissions, which are often produced well away from where we live and work in, in our global cities, we're not going to make the impact on climate change that we need to see. So what are you currently working on in the circular economy space? What is the landscape looking like in Hackney? So the work we're doing around our circular economy in Hackney is held under Zero Waste Hackney, which is a campaign that the council runs with our community directed towards residents and businesses in the borough about how they can reduce uh, waste. We have things like our clothes swap work, where we see uh, over £62,000 worth of clothes swapped amongst residents. We're in the fantastic library of things, which is a relatively new initiative over the last year where we've created a space where we lend uh, and uh, key household items that you might only use once a year, uh, whether it's jet washers, ice cream makers, uh, other materials that you see behind us, and seeing those reused uh, within our community rather than just sitting in the back of the cupboard uh, not being used at all. And as a clearly a cost of living benefit as well because our residents don't have to go out and buy these things uh, themselves. Overall, through all of the different things we're doing, we stop two million items going into the waste stream uh, in the first place. We've got other initiatives like uh, using uh, real nappies, um, the, the work that we do around repair workshops with Hackney Fixers and other projects like that. So a full breadth of things that we're doing to try and equip residents with the skills and ideas to have a truly circular economy. So there are many initiatives and the cost of living crisis continues to be a pertinent issue. But what are the economic possibilities of a circular economy in London? 
Well, I think we talked a lot during COVID about not going back to the old normal. So we've been thinking about how we repurpose some of our business recovery grants that we have. Uh, there's 2.6 million overall, but we dedicated 260,000 towards green businesses and green recovery in our town centres. Uh, we're just about to publish our climate action plan. Uh, and within that, we're looking to the future about what the circular economy can contribute to that climate action plan. In the recent elections, uh, I was elected on a manifesto that included having a Green Skills and Circular Economy Commission to lead into a full circular economy strategy. Uh, and then that will look at how our whole economy can be shaped by that sort of green recovery. I'm really inspired by the work that Re London has done as well about redefining the types of jobs that are covered by circular economy. It's moving away from a kind of traditional view of just looking at waste and recycling and thinking about, you know, the bike shops, repair work, uh, those places that are reusing and uh, using skills to kind of up, up, upcycle uh, materials uh, and resell them into the local economy. I think there's a huge potential uh, for having green and sustainable growth based on that sustainable uh, and circular economy model. And I want to be sure that Hackney is the real home for that in London. What role does the sharing of knowledge and experience across London play in all of this? So the One World Living Workstream looking at consumption-based emissions is led by Harrow. But it's really important that we work with other London boroughs, inner and outer London, the different types of economy, the different places that people live and the different challenges, uh, the complexity of a city uh, like London face. So we've got four work streams underneath looking at the biggest contributions to waste and consumption-based emissions uh, in the capital. So we've got Hackney leading on food waste. Uh, which is really important in reducing consumption, but also a more equitable food system in the capital. We've got Wandsworth looking at textiles. We've got Hammersmith and Fulham looking at electricals. Uh, and we've got Richmond looking at plastics. And the most important thing is the collaborative effect that we can look at with London boroughs working together in new ways, innovating, working with citizens, working with business, working with the GLA, working with organisations like ReLondon to come up with those solutions that are actually going to work in London. Uh, and to see London boroughs stepping up and taking that leadership role, I think is going to be critical to getting those two thirds reduction in waste. And most importantly, working with the communities that make up London. So collaboration across the city is crucial and the circular economy is becoming embedded in communities. Next, Philip went on to talk about jobs as an even wider opportunity of the circular economy. Well, absolutely critical to taking uh, that journey to net zero is taking Londoners with us and thinking about the type of economy and society that we want to see. The circular economy has a huge contribution to that. We're going to see industries that are really carbon intensive have to decline. People are worried about where they might work, where their children and neighbours might work. What are the skills that are needed uh, for the future? Um, we've seen with the London report and the work that London councils are doing, that circular economy and the skills that are going to be needed across London, uh, especially in boroughs like Hackney, to see that economy grow and reach its potential, have a huge contribution to London's economic growth and that just transition. So the potential by 2030, as we make that journey to net zero, of seeing almost 300,000 new jobs created in that circular economy, I think it's a really powerful message about why investing in London, in our boroughs, communities, business and innovation, not only has the, the reduction of two thirds in consumption based emissions that we need to see, 
but can see that actually lead to sustainable green economic growth. Uh, and that's the future that we need for all Londoners. And I think it's where London could sh- continue to show that climate leadership that we've seen uh, around transport and some of the other things that we're doing uh, across the capital. What are the barriers, in your view, to even wider adoption of circular economy practices across the City of London? I think circular economy as a term can feel a bit distant and a bit aloof. And I think we see the circular economy all around us and we often don't recognise it. So if you're involved in a gardening group on an estate, you're part of a circular economy because you're growing your own food, you're using that produce, you might be sharing it. So you're reducing food waste uh, on the estate and you might be sharing ideas about how to use uh, food in different ways and not not see it wasted. I think there's a lot of people involved in the kind of repair movement uh, in the fixer movement in a borough like Hackney, but also across our capital. Thinking about just sharing those skills. If you're in a WhatsApp group saying, what do I do with this? I don't know how to fix this bike. Um, can I repair it? Then you're part of developing a more circular and sustainable economy. Uh, There's a project in Hackney called uh, The Loop, which is looking at upcycling materials and selling them as a social enterprise, but also sharing the skills that are needed to upcycle and reuse those materials. So I think the circular economy is vital to our work on climate change and getting to net zero. And there's a lot of policies and strategies around it. But if people think about their communities, the skills that they might have in their families, the things that they might want to reuse that are stuck in the back of the cupboard and they could share with their neighbours uh, or they could get repaired in a fixer event. All of those things contribute to the circular economy and actually the circular economy is going to be most powerful when it's in our estates, when it's in our street markets, when it's in our libraries like this and really embed our communities and, and sharing that change. Philip, you briefly mentioned the journey to net zero and the role of the circular economy in that earlier. So where are we in that journey and how can we ensure we hit that ambitious target? So local government works in four-year terms, as does London councils. I'm currently chair of the Transport and Environment Committee at London Councils and Mayor of Hackney. And I do feel that there's this sort of moment where uh, it seemed only yesterday that we were sort of starting this decade, but we'll soon be in the middle of the decade and halfway through that journey to 2030 and net zero. And if at a local level we're not starting to invest and reshape how we talk to business and community about the circular economy and the types of changes that we want to see, but also the type of economic growth we want to see in the future, we're going to miss an opportunity and there won't be that legacy that we need uh, as we go through this decade. And I think at a London-wide level, seeing that leadership across London boroughs, inner and outer, uh, the types of challenges that you face in inner London versus outer London, uh, the types of challenges you face if you're a private renter versus someone that owns their own home, uh, small business owners that are worried about the future. For me, it's about bounding all that up, making the right decisions in 2022 and as we start 2023. Because if we don't make those decisions, now, if we don't uh, look at how we consume, how we how we think about the waste system, how we don't just think about recycling, we stop actually that consumption-based society that we live in. If we don't do that now, we have no hope of getting to 2030 and getting to 2030 where we've reduced those emissions by two thirds. So the circular economy is high on the agenda for the borough of Hackney as part of job creation, economic growth and tackling the climate crisis. But what does this look like in practice? Well, as Philip mentioned, we spoke to him at the Library of Things in Hackney. So whilst we're there, we also caught up with Charlotte Thorpe from the team at the Library of Things. I started by asking her, what is the Library of Things and how did it start? 
So Library of Things started as a grassroots community movement in West Norwood. It's existed organically around and we were inspired by tall libraries in Toronto and Berlin and places like that. Um, but we saw how neighbours really kind of embraced it as a, as a project and an asset for the community. So we found a permanent home in, in Crystal Palace and then from there there was so much interest from other communities. We set up as a social enterprise to help other people bring a, a library of things to their neighbourhood too. So we're now open in 11 locations across London and there's lots more on the way. So Charlotte, what makes people come here? Why do people use the library of things? There's lots of reasons why people um, come to library of things and, and try borrowing. One thing that is very useful for people is it's, it helps people save money and it's a more affordable way to access the things that they need. So in London, nearly 7,000 people have, have borrowed so far and we've saved collectively £250,000 relative to if you bought it, if everyone had bought the same thing themselves. Um, and we have a concession rate as well, which offers 25% off for people who need it. Um, it's it's self-referred and, you know, at the moment with the cost of living crisis, that's something that's really important. So hopefully people can, you know, find it a more affordable way to do tasks around their home because it's a few pounds to borrow something rather than having to pay someone else to come and do that job for you. Um, but then there's also other uses as well. So something that's really fantastic is the uptake in community groups that who, who use it as a, a resource too. Um, in Hackney, the Nightingale estate volunteers borrowed our jigsaw recently to do a guerrilla gardening project. So uh, on the estate, there's a walkway where they're kind of trying to build some flowering and planting. So they borrowed it to do that. So it's a useful asset as well for, for groups and people to access the things that they need to. And who benefits from this innovation and in what ways? So a library of things is helpful for local economies building connection in our communities and also tackling the environmental issues that we face at the moment. We work in partnership with local authorities like Hackney Council and also community spaces to, to open. So we open in libraries like the Dalston Library, but also community hubs in Hackney Wick, like the Old Baths, which are running independently. And on our high streets at the moment, one in seven shops remain empty and there's a real lack of space for communities to come together and connect. So we're hoping to help support that by opening these spaces and each library of things brings in an average of 5,000 more people to, to a space, so we're supporting in that way. And also when you borrow rather than buy, 70p of every pound that you spend goes back into supporting the local economy. So it funds two local jobs and then also rent to support spaces like this. Um, and in terms of community, at the moment, one in five adults report that they often feel lonely or disconnected from others in their neighbourhood. Something which is really beautiful that we found in our early pilots was through the skill shares that we ran, was the connection and um, I don't know, just being more connected to your place and people. And we're sharing skills to help people learn how to mend and repair but actually we ran some recently some sewing and mending workshops and people who left there feeling empowered because they had skills to do things to save money or you know to repair and mend all things but also it was feeling more connected to others and people in their neighborhood and that's something which we are hoping to grow and is a really important part of what we're doing too and then from an environmental perspective Businesses like Library of Things and, and projects are really important in the transition to a circular economy. So it helps both in the sense that we're reducing waste because 
By sharing, it affects demand, that less things need to be produced in the first place because we're sharing, we're sharing things. But then also because we repair and mend all of our things, we have a thing technician who helps to keep things alive. Um, that reduces things from going to landfill too. What sort of impact has this had so far? Having borrowed 60% of people say that they're more likely to repair or reuse. So it's a, it's a really great way into getting people to think about how they can live more sustainably and working together in partnership with community groups and local authorities like Hackney Council is really important to tackle the, the climate crisis. And borrowing is great because it's a simple action that an individual can take and you know that you yourself are being aware and conscious of your behaviour as consumers, but then also collectively that impact really starts to, to build up. So across London so far, we've saved the equivalent of five double-decker buses worth of waste from landfill by, by borrowing. So it's so exciting and it's something that as it continues to grow, that impact is only going to scale up and it's a fantastic way in for people to thinking more about how sharing can be an alternative to buying. So you've seen a real uptake of the Library of Things and you're seeing an impact on people's perceptions and behaviours as a result. So what does the future look like for the Library of Things? So the future of Library of Things is to have borrowing available to every neighbourhood or community that wants it. At the moment we're open in 11 neighbourhoods across London with more planned for the year ahead and also our first locations outside of, of London hopefully but there's so much energy and demand from people across the capital and beyond to bring borrowing to their neighbourhoods. We want to help people start a campaign in their own neighbourhood to raise awareness around the issue of, of, borrow, of, of waste and sustainability and then also to build momentum and energy around bringing it to their neighbourhood. So at the moment you can start a campaign page on our website if this is something that you would like to do in your neighbourhood. So in Cambridge, um, Brighton, Redbridge, there's lots of places where there's energy already around bringing a library of things to their neighbourhood and we are there to support groups to build these partnerships with local authorities or funders to help them get set up and then to get the message out there and help people find out about borrowing. Um, it's something that works at scale and as many people as possible who can benefit from affordable access to items and changing how we relate to, to things and how we access them is, is really important. So finally, Charlotte, have you had any support? What are your biggest remaining challenges? So we work in partnership with suppliers like Bosch, Deal and Karcher to get the things that we need for our kiosks. When we first started in West Norwood, um, lots of Library of Things will accept donations, which is really fantastic. But a challenge with that is um, you're not always able to get the parts that you need to repair or maintain the things. So we learned quite quickly that people donating kindly items towards the end of their life wouldn't help support our aim of you know, enabling more people to borrow and it becomes something that's useful for them. So we started to work with these suppliers to get things that we, we can repair and maintain. So our thing technicians will come and look after all the items in our kiosk and make sure that they live as, as long as they can. And rather than things breaking and ending up in landfill, we're able to source the parts that we need to extend their life. And part of that also is being able to share with these suppliers when things go wrong and issues. So a really important part of the circular economy is also product design in itself and designing out waste and making sure that we're able to design products that 
can live longer, not the kind of wasteful, one-time use things that we have become accustomed to buying sometimes just to fulfil a task. That's all for this episode of our podcast. The example of Hackney really demonstrates the possibility of the circular economy working at various levels from individual innovations to the policies that can impact millions of people. In next week's episode, we'll be speaking to representatives from ReLondon, a partnership of the Mayor of London and London boroughs with an explicit focus on the circular economy. We'll hear how the circular economy is critical to London's economic future and we'll hear how they aim to bring the circular economy to the city's citizens. I hope you can join us then. Thanks for listening. The Circular Economy Show podcast is published by the Ellen McCarthy Foundation and produced by Skinny Mammoth Media. Thank you to our contributors, Philip Glanville, the Mayor of Hackney, and Charlotte Thorpe from the Library of Things. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'll speak to you next time.